your host of the Excuse Me podcast. And this week, I am so honored to have this incredible talent on my show. Um, I've gotten to know him really well, AEW. Everyone, sit back, grab a beverage, and listen to Mr. Colt Cabana. Hi, Colt. Hey, Vicky. How are you? I can't believe I, I got I got excused there. <laughs> Unbelievable. I was, I was going to do it louder, but you said you're tired, so I was going to be easy on your ears. <laughs> well, I have my volume down in my headphones, so I'm okay. Uh, um, how are you today? I'm good. You know, I... I don't know. You did a video for me for a kid that was on TikTok um, who has special needs. His name was Derek Baker. I don't know if you met him when he came around or not. I don't think I did, but if okay. I did, then... he's he's very popular on TikTok. He has a TikTok called Baker Banter, and I so I I went around very early and I like he wasn't he was he hadn't blown up yet, but I had just seen him on my page. I I don't know. Are you you're on TikTok? You yeah. get addicted like me, right? Yeah, I am. Just so addicting to just watch and watch problem. and watch. Yeah. And our <laughs> and our algorithms plug, you know, like what we're into. So, you know, I have an affinity for the special needs and, and wrestling. So this kid, he had Down syndrome and he was and he was just everything was wrestling. And I was like, I'm going to and I and we were in Jacksonville at the time. And it was just like, I'm going to blow this kid's mind and I'm going to send him videos of all his favorite wrestlers and and just get all everyone from WWE because that's what he was into WWE and I'm going to get him into AEW and I got him a video of uh you know like I think um Jericho and Cody and and, and just everyone and you and yeah, I remember it, doing it yeah and his reply back like all he could reply back was excuse me and like you <laughs> and so now like whenever I hear you saying that I I hear him saying that because it was so adorable and I'm gonna I thought, have to follow him the kid probably has more follows than I do <laughs> He is, I think they, I think he has like a million, if not more. Yeah. Oh, I need to become his friend. Yeah. He's a, he's a legend now, but he was into you. He could not stop excusing people. Oh my gosh. That's awesome to know. Um, yeah. uh, so just to fill in my, um, my fans of who you are in case someone doesn't know who you are, which is Sorry. really unlikely. Um, your, uh, your name's Cole Cabana. You're currently signed with AEW, and you've been in Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, WWE, and also independent circuits and wrestling. Um, how? What got you into wrestling? I mean, what was that first aha in your life you said, this is what I want to do? Well, yeah, I don't want to show my age too much, but... Uh, I'm older my, than you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, so my first memory was... Um, my dad was a very casual professional wrestling watcher, you know, like he was probably, he's the ultimate person Vince McMahon wanted, but did not hook, you know, like, um, he was casual, but like, he didn't become upset. I became obsessed as a child. And I remember him watching wrestling. And I remember on the screen, it's the first, the first thing I remember was Andre, the giant getting his hair cut and, you know, going back and doing research, I believe it was Ken Patera and I think big John Studd and Bobby Heenan at the time. And I could place that to me being three years old, right? Uh, yeah, three years old going on four years old. So that's how long like I've been watching. And what was very cool was years later, um, I believe that was, uh, I want to say like um, somewhere outside of, of New York State, I forgot the venue, but I actually wrestled in that building for Global Force Wrestling for Jeff Jarrett. And I didn't even know. So I got to the arena. It, it was where WWF did all their, their, their old tapings, but I was at the arena and I'm just like looking around and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. They used to do all the tapings there. And then someone was like, this is where Andre got his haircut. I was like, that was my first memory. That's so crazy how this has all come together. And, um, since then I got, I became obsessed. Vicky just obsessed with wrestling. I loved it so much. I was into sports. I was into baseball. I was into football, but I, I just was always into wrestling and i always kind of say like i'm a kid of the 80s i'm a kid of like ninja turtles and he-man <laughs> you know like and sports and so like when you mix all those together i think the ultimate what would they say in the venn diagram the middle is just wrestling i think well you know you're so talented and i got to see your work a lot especially when I, we were at jacksonville a lot during covid uh you know taping AEW and your your wrestling talent impresses me so much and your energy and um but i'm also fascinated by how you are so popular on the social media circuit <laughs> and from all your podcasts to your twitch and so we're going to touch on that a little bit but um how how has it been working with the dark order because you were there you know during brody when he was alive and then with you you know uh 
performing you know, after Brody. How has that journey been for you as on your personal journey being with the Dark Order? Uh, you know, I've been reflecting a lot recently, and I've been thinking about my time in AEW. And when I think about it, the, the thing I'm the most grateful for is that I was able um, to be with Brody for that time in his life. Because if, if I wasn't in AEW, you know, Brody is somebody that I wrestled with. I think we had a match in 2004. Uh, we had matches in, in 2005. You know, so he's just one of these guys that was on the scene and hustling. And if we weren't in the same locker room together, I wouldn't have been able to spend those, you know, it was, uh, what was it? You know, maybe eight months or, or seven months, you know, the last seven months of his life. And, and I'm so grateful for that, that that allowed me that opportunity. I think that's the most special thing for me being with AEW when you think about it all. And, um, and then we got even closer because um, I had pitched this story to Brody, you know, Brody had just lost, I think he came and he lost that match to Moxley and he was kind of put on ice a little bit. And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything and I'm sure Brody needs some big wins. And, you know, I'm happy to be the guy to kind of do it for him. And, <laughs> and so I pitched this storyline and then, you know, uh, with the dark order. And so, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that, that Brody and I, we would text back and forth and we would call on the phone and we'd talk about ways to kind of do this angle. And, um, and it brought us very close together. Uh, closer than you know we had been close for years but it, it was so cool and then now i you know i got almost indoc indoctrinated into this family of the dark order and i kind of got stuck in a vortex you know when he passed so um to me it's like one of the most real storylines of like i'm with the dark order like i'm because like you know, our leader in storyline you know freaking passed away so like i'm like i'm stuck there like it's it was you know it's the most meant to be thing i think so um and i think we're all aware of that we're all aware of, um you know our our, our job and our, uh, of keeping the legacy of brody alive with the dark order and so yeah we've definitely turned into like a, a fun little family you know it's some vaccine stuff that i would notice you know being at daily's place is that you know, people may have seen Dark Order on stage, you know, always came out all together. Like, I always knew when the Dark Order was going to come out because there was like 10 of y'all lined yeah. up, you know, in Gorilla. But you guys generally were always working backstage. I mean, it was either taping some funny shit, you know, like for BTE. And you guys were so funny. Y'all would be in that one room where the bar is in Daddy's place. And y'all would just, if I had to find one of y'all, y'all were all together, like always taping something. And it was really a, a brotherhood, you know, so to speak, because um, it seemed like y'all all ate together, y'all. If, if y'all in the hallway or if y'all in the in the bleachers, y'all were really just, um, y'all got really close. And this is before Brody passed away. So that brotherhood was really reflected to me, you know, watching you guys, because y'all took it from a personal, you know, level to bring out to the stage. And just the way you guys, you know, even... Um, you know, interacted on, on the stage and in the ring, y'all truly, and y'all still have a love for each other that is very unique in the wrestling world. Oh, your, your Texas came out so much in there with all those y'alls. Uh, I what? Your Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> y'all. Yeah. I, I still got it. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't get rid of it. <laughs> I don't think I've realized it so much until that that <laughs> statement, but yes. Yeah. I, I kind of liken it to like almost a writer's room, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we were always writing and coming up with stuff and, and, you know, before I joined and then obviously afterwards, uh, the darker was kind of given the gift of, of being the elite. And it goes back to Matt and Nick Jackson going like, we want to get you guys over um use our platform essentially of being the elite because it, you know it wasn't we're usually it wasn't happening for a, a lot of them on television and so you know being the elite was such a great thing for the dark order and still is that i think it became essentially we were always thinking always writing coming up with ideas and as you do that um that's where a bond grows and that's where you know friendships and jokes you know obviously jokes are the main thing that you were bad <laughs> no, we're horrible. <laughs> and so, you know, and those come out in BTE and they come out on stage and they even come out in the matches. And that's where wrestling's the best is when people see those true personalities. I, I, I think you'd agree with that, right? Yeah. Who do you, since are you, when you, um, when 
you go forward in AEW for 2022, are you focusing on the dark order or is there another talent that you see that you want to start a program with or do you have what what are your goals or what do you see for 2022 for cult well i you know i, I mean selfishly you know i'd like to i guess you know be featured on television or whatever but um realistic yeah <laughs> i think that's everyone that should be everyone's goal but but yeah. realistically i'm just I'm just going to work as hard as I possibly can. And if, and if there is a spot for me, then I will use it. And if, and, and like always, even the tiniest little spot, if it's, you know, seconding the dark order to the ring or whatever it might be, um, I'm going to, I'm going to make the very most of it. I, f I feel that's something I've done my whole career. And that's, that's kind of what I'm going to be doing. I mean, you know, this is AEW has turned into a giant roster. And so, yeah, you know, we all have to kind of fight for some kind of spot or some kind of TV time. And, um, you know, that's almost, uh, I guess, part of the fun. Uh, you know, the cream always rises and kind of you got to you got to stick out when you can. So that's kind of that's kind of my goal for 2022. And, um, you know, that's the fun. I think of those Orlando dark tapings is, um, you know, you in Orlando, it kind of reminds you a little bit of the days of Jacksonville when we were um you know, just there were so many matches and you could kind of just do kind of whatever you your artistic ideas wanted to. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm looking I, I look forward to those. So tell tell my fans, how did Boom Boom come around? Because with your entrance at AEW, it's a cartoon yeah. uh, kind of, you know, expose of, you know, do you picture yourself as a cartoon character? Explain to me as well. You know, where did Boom Boom come from and <laughs> and, and, and this cartoon image that you have for your entrance? Well, for the first many years, my nickname was Classic Colt Cabana. And then I got signed to WWE and I was like, I want to change it up a little bit. And I really just wanted something kind of like funky, you know, with a little with a little soul or something like that. And so that was kind of what I came up with was was boom, boom, something to pop, you know. And um, and yeah, when you see my entrance, you know, it has those like kind of like comic sans boom, boom. And that's kind of yeah. the pop of it. And then, you know, my friend kid Russell, uh, he made my song and I kind of told him kind of what I wanted. And I used to come out to Barry Manilow. So, uh, <laughs> I, used, I used to come out to Copacabana years ago. Yeah. And, oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a big cult. Like when I first started with ring of honor, I think a lot of people took notice of me because I would come out to just cope the Copacabana. <laughs> And you know, those are those the are little things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Used to party there. Yeah. That's amazing. So um, do you see your, if you had to pick a cartoon character as you see yourself, who would you describe yourself as? Fred Flintstone. <laughs> and uh, as you can see behind me, Vicky, I, I sew, right? So I make my own gear. Um, oh my, I didn't know that called. Yeah. So when I was in developmental with WWE, I made myself a Fred Flintstone singlet and I, I wore it on like a practice day and people like my trainers still talk to me about it. They, they were so blown away that I wrestled in that because obviously it got to a point where I just didn't care anymore, where I, which <laughs> happens to a lot of people. And that's when, again, when the most fun comes out. And so, yeah, I think I have the body. I think I look like him. I think I could play Fred Flintstone in a movie if need be. That's good to know. Um, can you give uh, Sandra Gray, who's a lead seamstress at AEW, a run for her money? I mean, you know, you you can have a talk with her. Like during those Jacksonville days, I would sit down, I would make gear, I would make my headband. Sometimes we had so much time off that I would bring my I would bring my material and just make my headbands while I was there, or make a singlet while I was there, uh, just on the downtime. I never saw that. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, that's she, why I love doing these because I can learn about more people. Yeah, and she, she'll she'll tell you I, I was pretty good. I think if you ask her, wow, I am pretty good. Yeah, good to know. I might have to go to you if there's an emergency and she's too busy. Yeah, you know, I I well, I so if you need something hemmed up, yes, I could. But I w women's wrestling gear is so. I mean, it's obviously so different, but it just you know I know how to make trunks. I know how to make. Uh, tights. I know how to make a singlet, but you know, I don't keeping up the boobs and like keeping every. It's just ah. Uh, There's a lot of details in the women's. Yeah, gear. and like yeah. just like angles and stuff that would be hard <laughs> to sew. I feel like it gets more complicated as the years go on. You know, more intricate <laughs> styles. Yes, um, yes. So, Cole, you have a podcast called The Art of Wrestling. How long have you been doing that for? 
So I have, well, at this moment, I have three podcasts. Okay. So let the fans know where they can, <laughs> where they can listen and okay. me as well. Yeah. I, so I just dropped one, which is only 13 episodes and it's just a binge thing. It's called pro wrestling fringe. And they're like, they're 10 minute stories that I put music over and I wrote with, with help from others about weird things that have happened in wrestling. So these are like Netflix. It's a series bingeable pro wrestling fringe. Wow. And I just did a new one. So like I did these years ago, but I just got the rights back to them. So I put them out now and I made a new one to accompany it. And the new one is about when Harry Smith was 11 years old and wrestled in the WWF. Um, oh. and, and so to me, that's the weirdest thing ever, right? <laughs> It is yeah. well, far fetched. <laughs> yes. Um, and then there, you know, there's things like uh, the ugly, they, you know, there's a man named Maurice Tillet who wrestled, who had agromegalia, who was like the same thing that Andre the Giant had, who people say that Shrek was uh, made after. I did a story about him. I did a story about Sputnik Monroe, who helped change race relations in the, in the Mid South, um, and just different stories. It's a real easy listen. The weekly podcast I'm doing now is called Wrestling Anonymous. And it's a call in hotline show. Uh, and people call in their weird wrestling stories from wrestling interactions to, uh, and I, and I hope, you know, your, your listeners will call in a story. Um, you know, pe people like who are neighbors with someone was, a, was neighbors with bad news Brown and they went over to his house and he scared them. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, it's, that's pretty different. It's so fun. And I love taking the calls and editing the calls and there's fun, funny ones, weird ones, serious ones, all, you know, the whole thing. And, um, you can listen to that. That's wrestling anonymous. That's every week. And then of course the art of wrestling, right? I've been doing that since 2010 and, wow. um, I stopped doing it full time about two years ago, but I started bringing it back sporadically. And just this week, actually, I'm putting out a new one. Uh, I have three new ones. One with Alex Reynolds will come out this week. And, uh, and we're going to get Vicky on too. Uh, hey, I would love to. Yeah. How do you, what's your magic in doing, how do you find, I have like so many questions for you. Yeah. How do you find time to do podcasts, Twitch, TikTok <laughs> and, and work and then work out? How, how do you manage your time? Because I'm struggling here to try and keep up everything. You know, I, I, I just have a hustler's mentality. You know, I, I was on the independent wrestling scene for so long and I made it a, a, I made it a sense, a thing to myself that I want to do this for a full time and I want to make a full time living. And I assumed myself, you know, I, I started wrestling when I was 18. I became a full time wrestler. Basically when I was 23, I was able to do this full time and I'm 41 now. So, you know, I assumed I would never make it to any kind of big time wrestling. Right. But I, knew I was good enough to make 50 or hundred dollars on a show. And if I did 10 shows or 11 shows a month and I hustled, I would be able to make a living. And then I realized, well, you know, if I'm only doing 10 shows a month, there's 20 other days to be working. And so I need to be, you know, I could do something else to make another 50 or a hundred dollars during those days. And then all of a sudden you start adding up the money and you make a real living and you don't have to work at Costco or you don't have to work at Walgreens or whatever it is. And that was, that's always been my goal is not to have to do anything else, but wrestling. <laughs> that's, that's a great hustle. Now on your podcast, are you independent? You do it on your own. Like, I, I do mine on my own. I'm not on any kind oh, of good. platform. Do you edit and everything by yourself? I do. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. I, I listen, I, I, I learned really, and this is one of my faults too. And I don't, and you could tell me what your thoughts on it too, is um, I don't depend on anybody. Right. But, you know, I think one of my downfalls was not delegating anything to anybody else over the years. Um, too. Yeah. So I have a bit of a control thing. I think it is. Well, I, I just think I've learned, I've gotten burned many ways where when I did depend on someone and, you know, like, my releases, I try and keep them like on Thursdays and Fridays, you know, and somebody, when I first started, you know, and it wasn't working out that way, I would get really mad. And I just had to tell myself, you have to be mad at myself because I'm the one that gave that person the job. You know, if I want to get it done right, I have to do it myself. And a technology is above my head where I don't understand it. So, you know, I had to, a lot of learning I had to learn with that. But I mean, it's, I, I like doing the work. It's a lot, but it feels rewarding. To it's me. rewarding. You know? Yeah. That's the important thing is that it is like, 
I, I love being able like having all of this stuff and then editing and copying and pasting and seeing like all of the things on GarageBand and you just see so much material. And then when you push play, it all comes into one thing. It's very rewarding. I also yeah. learned, I also learned that nobody cares about your stuff as much as you do. Amen. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and even if yeah. it's, even if it's like not blowing the world up, it's still to us, it's our baby. And we're, we're saying like, this has to be out on Friday, but somebody else, they, they don't, you know, that you've delegated it to, that's not, they, the pressure in their head isn't the same as it is in your head. It's your name. It's your stuff. Um, and of course you, you want it to be as, as great as possible. So I learned that too. And so I was like, I have to learn garage band. I have to learn iMovie. I have to learn OBS. I have to learn all of these things. Yeah. And, and, and I, and you have amazing help. I do. There's people I, I reach out to and I ask for help and they give it to me. And those people are wonderful and, and, yeah. and thank so many thank yous, but there's a difference between asking them for help and having somebody do, do some, you know, having them be out of schedule because eventually they're going to give up on that. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you have sponsors? How does that work out for you with, with you being a public figure? Um, well, for years on the art of wrestling, I, I had people buying advertising time. You know, my, my podcast came out in 2010. It was kind of the first person in the industry to have a weekly show who was still in the industry. Um, and so it really took off and not until Austin and Jericho and Jr started doing the same thing, but they started doing it five years after me. So I had a real good jump start, yeah. and my, my numbers were unbelievable. It was really because cool. You don't you didn't hear about podcasts too much in 2010. I mean, I wasn't familiar with them as much, but how did, did were you you had to kind of like be on a limb and say, I'm going to try this and see how it works because we did you listen to other podcasts or are you just like, yeah. oh, I'm going to start a talk show and see how this goes. I I was obsessed. I, I so my number one is comedy. I love comedy. Yeah. I I love alternative comedy. Um yeah. so alternative comedy is kind of like the independent wrestling scene for comedy. Uh, you know, it's the stuff on the fringe. And at the time, the alternative comedy scene had figured out that podcasting was like this unbelievable uh, tool to get your, your your comedy out and, and your point of view. And and um, and I started becoming obsessed and I started listening to podcasts. You know, I, I had a whole list of them, 50 of them. And I had noticed that no one in wrestling saw it the same way that the comedians did. And so. I took a page out of the comedian's book and, um, and I knew it would work well, that's the wild thing. People were like, are you surprised? I was like, no, like it was working so well for the comedians. <laughs> like I, as a comedy fan was becoming such a huge fan of all these different comedians through comedy podcasting that I knew wrestling fans would become such big fans of wrestlers through these wrestling podcasts. And so that's how, that's how it came to be. And then, yeah, with that became good numbers and sponsorship money and, um, and yeah, you know, stuff's always kind of working its way in. So it's just, it's a lot of wheeling and dealing and hustling and yeah. uh, keeping it going. I, I have to attest that your com your comedian side is very quick because um, this week I'm releasing uh, the jokes that I did at AEW and you're one of the guys I asked to tell. Oh, that hasn't come out yet? No. Uh, okay. And so um, you were so quick and I was like, I, in all my years, I'm not going to say the joke because I'll, I'll let the fans go see that. But your comedy was like right on. I'm like, I have never heard of a joke on my, on my, you know, punchline, excuse me. And you were so swift. I was like, man, <laughs> he is good. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, you know, and I know it's wordplay. I really like wordplay. Um, and it's weird that I've, I've been able to dissect what it is exactly, but it's kind of how my wrestling brain works, right? The same way we would, you know, like how I, how I, I see it almost as a mathematical equation of like, Hey, do this spot, then this spot, then the people will come up. And that's why I, that's kind of how I use, I guess my sense of humor is kind of dissecting the the language like that. So well, um, you dissected me pretty well. I was, <laughs> I was floored. <laughs> I'm excited. And then when I, when I, I think I overheard you asking someone, I was like, Oh, I want in on this. You did. And I, you did. And I, and I know how, not frustrating it is, but like when you're trying to do a podcast and you don't want to ask somebody and like, you're looking for content and it's kind of, you know, it's hard. Like I understand where you were from. So I knew if I was like, Hey, I want in, you would be excited yeah. about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard because we're at work and 
you know, I work with such, I have an amazing environment of all this talent around me. I would love to bother everyone for a, an interview, but you want to, I want to be respectful for everyone's time because usually it's a lot of just waiting and, you know, see what's going to happen that night. But uh, when you, when you did say you want to do something, I was like, I'm going to get him on my podcast because I, I, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm a little shy, you know, and I, I want to be reserved because I want to respect the guy's time. And so I just, I've had a whole new like friendship with you. I'm like, he's my friend. I'm going to ask him to be my show. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And I really I, appreciate it. And um, I'm I'll Yeah. Like I, I've had to ask so many people over the years to do stuff so that like, I'm always, if any wrestler ever wants to do anything, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the first to jump in and, and volunteer because I know how I, and I kind of have that same shy energy too. So I, I get a hundred percent where you're coming from it's, and, and it's I can hard. see it. I could see it in you. That's why I was like, I was like, Oh, let me make her feel good. I, you know, like, uh, you know, you, I, I want to accommodate. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. It's, that's been the hardest thing is to try and get people to ask people if they could give me 30 to 40 minutes of their time. Cause I know when we go home, I I've got, I don't know how I find time with this, but you know, you always want to hear that. Yes. And if not, then, you know, I'll say, well, whenever you get a chance, you know, get back to me, you know, so yeah. it's no, no is the worst answer I can ever hear. <laughs> and then I'll just keep trying later on. Um, well, that's why I started wrestling anonymous. So I don't have to ask wrestlers anymore. Now I just <laughs> ask the fans to call in. It's perfect. <laughs> and go from one extreme to the other end of the table. Right. That's right. <laughs> hey, Colt, how did you uh, get your face on the pro wrestling tees merchandise box? I'm doing the yeah. face for audio people. <laughs> um, I, I have a very, uh, uh, close relationship with pro wrestling tees. Pro wrestling tees kind of started because, uh, I walked into their door and needed some shirts done. Um, and Ryan Barker at the time had no clue about the world of wrestling, but as you and I, and every other wrestler would know, um, it's so hard to find a reliable person for anything, whether it's gear or, or merchandise, or, um, or, you know, distribution or whatever it is. And uh, I quickly saw that Ryan was an unbelievable businessman. And what happens with, with gear is you find a gear person and then you send all your friends there and then they get overwhelmed and then they quit the business. <laughs> right. Yep. Sounds right. Yeah. So same with t-shirt people. And of course I've been a merchandise hustler my whole life because like I said, when I was 23, I, this was my full-time job. And I said, I'm going to be wrestling on shows. So I also have to make merchandise and I've been selling merch for a long, long time. And you know, we found, I found a merch guy in Chicago. I said, make me some shirts. I sent him my friends. And not only did he do a great job, he built, he made his business bigger to accommodate everything as opposed to just quitting. Yeah. And so then, you know, he was forward thinking and he was like, he's like, let's start instead of, you know, uh, let's start this business where, a merchandise table can be everywhere, you know, and then that, that's kind of how it all came. So uh, I have a very close relationship with one hour tees and pro wrestling tees. And um, I've been on billboards in Chicago for the last 10 years. <laughs> and and I'm also on the box. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, I thought that was a really great insight to let my fans in on that. Um, so tell me, uh, you have a Twitch channel. I do. What is your secret? Because it seems like everything you touch it just, <laughs> it just grows. And I'm like, I want to be like Colt. Like I see all your projects of it. I want a podcast like Colt. Aww. I want a Twitch channel. I mean, it's, I'm so motivated by you. And it's so great to have my friends doing these incredible things because it keeps me going because if it wasn't successful for other people, I guess I wouldn't be that, you know, interested in doing it. But your Twitch channel is so much fun to watch. And what is your secret? I mean, because it just works for you. I mean, you have, let's see, on Twitch, you have over 22,000 followers. Like, Which I'm I not have proud of. I want 600. And I'm like, I want, I want 100,000. Oh, you do? I mean, I want a million. No, I oh, said yeah. I want I want 100,000. Oh, you want? Right. I was like, that's not what I, okay, I got my information <laughs> wrong. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, but how, I, of course, you're a gamer, you know, so that has to well, be. No, 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 no. I was never a gamer. I didn't play games until the quarantine. You're kidding me. No. Do I look good at games? I, I've, I've become a, a obsessed with this game called Fall Guys, and I've gotten very good at it. 
Um, See, my, my mod's trying to get me to try Fall Guys. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm barely in Tetris and Family Feud and Animal Crossing <laughs> right now. <laughs> See, I'm like that. I don't like anything too complicated or intricate yeah. because I get, you know, I stopped playing games at, after Sega Genesis, really. So, um, I miss that whole period where it's just like you got it. Someone said something in my Twitch stream the other day. They're like, oh, you wouldn't like this game because you have to use all the buttons on your controller. And I was like, yep. Like the left and the lot. right. And the, the, there's if there's eight, nine, ten buttons, I that's too much for me. I want A and B and that's it. It's a lot. I mean, it's so much <laughs> that I don't enjoy if it has to be so intricate. That yes. I actually remember the, the combinations or what button goes with what. It takes the fun out of it. And I, and I have to be. My mom told me you have to be happy with what you're playing or else it's not going to work for you. You know, so Tetris it is. I mean, I yes. was like, okay. He goes, that's good. If you're having fun, the fans are going to love it. You know, or right. Or, you know, there is also fun in really doing bad at a game. <laughs> so yeah. like, oh, they love that too. They love right. when I mess up. <laughs> so if you, Mario's. <laughs> if you play a complicated one and you're really bad at it, there's as long as you're owning how bit. See, that's what I found. If I'm owning how bad I am at it, there's some there's some fun because there I feel the people are are just watching my like like your mod said my enjoyment when my enjoyment is um it's me getting frustrated but I'm you know I'm putting on a bit of a show because there's you know I know there's humor in me getting frustrated um, yeah so yeah I I've really I, I don't know I I I liked Twitch you know we were in a pandemic I couldn't go do independent shows. I needed to a fill my time and I need B, you know, maybe make a couple extra bucks. And so uh, a lot of people were using that Twitch as a platform to do that. And I had open time, you know, um, because I wasn't going to independent shows and, and for some, for some of it, I wasn't able even to go to the gym there, you know, our, our gyms closed. So that was something I did, but uh, you know, something that you said was like, you, you'll watch me do stuff. And I think that's the best is to be influenced by the ones that you like and that's what i that's a step i've done my whole career is i've uh, you know I, i'm not necessarily stealing the ideas of people but i'm seeing the things that i enjoy as a fan and i'm saying can i do this as a creator for other fans like-minded people and i think that's the the key to success in my mind as a creator is doing stuff that you would like as a fan and that's how my wrestling is my wrestling's a little silly and it's a you know and people are like why aren't you more serious and to me i'm like that's the wrestler that i would want to watch so that's the wrestler i'm gonna be and that's the streamer i would want to watch so that's the streamer i'm gonna be yeah do you have a stream deck do you use that on your twitch uh yeah i got a stream deck uh road gave me a microphone to use uh, wow <laughs> yeah See, that's I got my next step is to get some people to give get some sponsors for my yeah but, i'm working um, always working the stream deck is fun. I mean, the fans like to hear different sound effects that I have for them. Like my biggest thing is purple hearts on my channel. And so when they send purple hearts, I'll send like a kiss to them and they, the guys love it. I'm like, all right, we'll go with that. <laughs> I guess we're a purple heart stream now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, who is your dream match that you want to, you want to have, whether it's past or present uh, wrestlers? Well, I, I think years ago I would have said Kenny Omega, but he's too famous now that everybody said, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody says it. So it's not as fun, but when I want to wrestle Kenny Omega rest, who the, the Kenny Omega who wrestled the, the blow up doll and the six year old girl, you know, I don't want to wrestle Kenny versus Mox and Deathmatch Kenny. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I went the, the the company that Kenny came from was called DDT and it was just in Japan and it was just known for its weirdness. That's where those matches came from the blow up doll and the, and the six-year-old girl. And I went and toured with them and they were like the perfect fit for me. It was so great. And um, you know, that's where Kenny kind of thrived uh, and got his name. And that's where all Japan and eventually new Japan kind of, you know, they were like, we need this guy. So I think that era of Kenny, I would like, and then my hero is a wrestler named Les Kellett and he's like a 1950s and 1960s British wrestler and he didn't become famous until he was in his late 40s early 50s okay and he's a he was a comedian he was a comedic wrestler and his matches are on YouTube and um he's the he's one of my favorite comedians not just wrestling but just comedians in general and um oh, wow. he, he would he would be my I think my dream opponent he was How so do you spell funny his last name 
K E double L E double T, I believe. Okay. I, I, I want to check him out. Yeah. Okay. Watch one of his matches and become a fan. And the, the key to him is that he was the funny guy and he always needed a straight guy to, you know, to play the straight guy role. And so, um, a lot of time promoters, you know, as a funny guy wrestler, a lot of time promoters will put me in with another funny guy. And if you have two funny people, it really doesn't work that well. So a lot of the times I just, you know, the promoters don't know. So I naturally instinctively take on the, the role of the straight guy because the other person might not really understand that dynamic or has broken down comedy wrestling that much. Um, so I would love to play the straight guy to Les Callett. Very cool. And who are your mentors growing up? You know, when you get into the business, do you have someone that just motivates you, you know, that, you know, you kind of go to whenever you need some inspiration or motivation? Oh, what, what if I told you no? <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. Hey, <laughs> I mean, you're being you. Yeah, I had my trainers and I had my friends, you know. Um, and who are I, your trainers? Who trained uh, you? Uh, Ace Steele and Danny Dominion were two guys that trained me in Chicago. Um, and they were, you know, I was 18, they were 25 at the time. And, you know, Danny never really wrestled in a big promotion. Ace wrestled for a little bit for pro wrestling Noah and he was signed to a WWE developmental deal, but nothing really came out for him on a national scene necessarily, but they were very good trainers and they taught me the basics. And then, you know, I just went out, uh, and we wrestled, uh, everywhere and anywhere. And so like the first name that comes to my mind when you say that is Tracy Smothers, I guess, uh, oh. who sadly passed away a couple, uh, I would say earlier this year, maybe a couple of years at this point, but he was a guy who was like, we were 18 or 20 and he was in his late thirties and was still in amazing shape and had been on national television, but was doing all these shows with these younger kids. And um, he was somebody who would always give advice, uh, would always, be positive, have positive advice, would never talk down to you. And so that's somebody, you know, not only did I love his, I guess, mentorship in a little, in a little bit of a way, but also the way that you should be talking to the younger generation who probably, even if you don't know it, probably look up to you so much, you know, like we're yeah, just respect. living, yeah, yeah, yeah respect. We're, we're just living our lives and we just, you know, we're just going about day to day but probably if we take a step back, you know, the, the generation who are in their twenties or even early thirties, you know, have been reading about us and thinking about us and watching us and, and probably put us on like a, a pedestal. And so that there's a lot of responsibility with that. And a lot of people don't do much with it. And so, you know, I think Tracy's someone who I learned that, you know, you should do something with it. And by doing something, you don't have to like make any grand gestures. You just have to be nice and respectful. <laughs> Such a small thing in a big world, right? Yeah, it's true. All right, so I have uh, some fan questions for you. I picked out two. I'm gonna. This one's from Chris Britt. Um, he says, "Hey Colt, what's up? I got the pleasure of meeting you on the Jericho cruise this past year. What was your experience on the cruise, and did you like it? And would you go again?" Uh, were Were you on the the cruise, Vicky? Not only the first one. Uh, I didn't go on this on the on the previous one. Okay, I was I, on the first one too. I think. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I didn't go on the second one. Um, it was during it was either TV or the cruise, and me and Nyla stayed for the the TV taping. Gotcha. I think there was there's been three, right? There's three, I, so I was on the second one. Yeah, oh, okay, right. I was, on the, I was on the first and the third one. Okay. And I had so much fun, and I was, you know, Chris gave me the ultimate um, compliment afterwards. He's just like you're perfect for these things because the wrestling is just on a boat and it's having fun. And also, Oh, hold on. I got to let in my Amazon package. You could edit this out. Uh, oh, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the wrestling was so much fun. And I also did a live podcast and I did a comedy show. And then wow. I, I helped set up another comedy show because for some reason they asked Billy Gunn, to do stand up, and when they were what? like, "Hey, your stand up show is on tonight," he's like, "I don't do stand up," and so uh, um, um, he's not the ne funny kind. Of person. Yeah. <laughs> so so Nemeth came to me, and he's just like, "Hey, can you help me like put together this comedy show?" And I was like, "I'm on it," and we did this thing where I did like a Mad Libs for Billy Gunn with the crowd, and we made this Mad Libs and. I think that's where the ass boys came from, to be honest, because Dan Housen was the host of it. 
And um, I just felt so connected to the fans and I felt so a part of something. And I also like, I, I understood and I loved the idea of a wrestling cruise. Like, I think Chris does a lot of things that there's kind of some jealousy probably from me, you know, uh, and he's me. Been, <laughs> yeah. like he's been afforded these great things of, of, of being in comedy. He was in the movie MacGruber and he, uh, you know, did, uh, some comedy central stuff and he's, he, he, he lives, he sings. he's, well, I don't want to necessarily be a singer, but the spirit of him, like he's like, he sees a thing he wants to do and he just goes and does it. Yeah. And uh, there's so much to be said for that. And so I, I love the spirit of the of the wrestling crew. So I love being a part of it. Yeah, it's, it's a great concept. Um, all right. So the next one is from Daphne Fan. Uh, she's, uh, she says, um, many fans and many of your colleagues have listed you as being one of, your, of the more influential people in wrestling over the past couple of decades due to your use of social media, podcasts, and selling your merchandise. Do you see yourself that way? Um, well, I, 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 I'd like to be, I know I'd like to be a little bit humble, but I, I do understand that I I wasn't following behind and I was leading a a pack. You know, I I understood that when, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Like I was at shows and nobody was selling merchandise and I was selling merchandise and I was selling my merchandise online when nobody was, and I was trying to get as many shows as, as humanly possible so I could make new fans each time. And I, I understood um, how important social media was. Um, and I, I also, I think the key, I think the key has to be is I was such a giant wrestling fan and I loved wrestling so much it's in my teenage years and I couldn't wait to be a wrestler that I always like quote unquote sell to me as a 16 year old, if that makes sense. So like, you know, like, it would blow my mind if Dean Malenko would like direct message me, you know, at 16 or you know, like, I remember, I think bugging uh, Dallas page on uh, AOL instant messenger. And, you know, to him, that was nothing to me. It was like everything. And I, and I will never forget that. I don't even know if that was him. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you'll take I, it as it was. <laughs> yeah. And I will never forget that. So I know, I know the power of me just taking and a little extra time with somebody at the merch stand or, or, or thanking somebody in a DM. I know the power of that to a wrestling fan because I was at one time that wrestling fan and I was impacted very much by it. And so I think that's a lot of the key to that success is just understanding that and using it as a, like a quote unquote marketing tool, I guess. That's amazing. Colt, what would you tell yourself 20 years ago some advice of what you know now some advice yeah 20 years ago yeah. 20 years ago what would you tell him then of what you know now oh i don't even i i don't even know because i really don't have like regrets you know what i'm saying like i i really enjoyed the path that i'm on i would tell myself that like you're gonna have the craziest life ever and you're going to be, you're going to be friends with all of your heroes. And sometimes like, you'll just be like sitting, sitting next to Jake, the snake being like, Oh, this guy's talking again. And you're like, (laughs) and like, that's, (laughs) you know, like he was like my hero on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And I love talking to Jake, but just the idea that, that it would even be in my head. Yeah. Uh, and, and that happens. And sometimes I have to like check myself and just be like, Colt, this is, what are you doing? And then I'll be like, oh yeah, listen to what Jake, <laughs> listen to what he's talking about. He's the man. Um, yeah, more, it would be more of like a wake up call of like, you're going to have the exact life that you've always wanted. And and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, maybe some advice would be like, hey, learn how to do nutrition better. Maybe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a look more like a wrestler, I guess. I don't know, but. Okay, we're going to do something fun. I Because you're so funny um, on a personal level that I know you Wait, Vicky. Work. Huh. I would tell myself to learn Spanish and Japanese. Wow. That's what I would tell myself. That's good advice. Got it. I'm, I'm Mexican. I, I can do the street Mexican language, but my grandmother is still disappointed to me in this day. <laughs> so maybe I'll, I'll give you that advice. So when I'm 20, I'll tell you at, you had been 22 at the time. I'll tell you that also. Yeah. Get your shit together. <laughs> Just, 
learn the language, would you? Yeah. Okay, we're going to do some one word association so the fans can see where your mind is at with these words. Uh, give me one word that comes to mind when I give you this word. Cheese. Fat free. That's two words, but I hyphenated it. I only uh, I only eat the fat free card. <laughs> Superhero. John Cena. Peacemaker. <laughs> That's what I think of. Microphone. Uh, road. R O D E. Roadmics.com. <laughs> uh, sock. Excuse me. <laughs> Suck. Yeah. Suck. Like you wear a sock. That's suck. Oh. suck. oh my gosh. Well, my 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 word for that would be it <laughs> for Billy Gunn. Okay, so I just used add another word so we yeah. know what suck means for you. All right. What suck mean to you? Uh, oh, I would say Bombas, which was one of my very first sponsors. <laughs> uh monster. Cheese. That's <laughs> right. Uh, Cartoon. Uh, Greg, my brother. Oh. <laughs> Did you know my brother's an animator? No, I don't. He he he's worked on Family Guy for fifteen years. He's the director. Are you serious? Yeah, he's a he's one of the most he's such a talented animator and and drawer and cartoonist. What's his Instagram? He's not on social media. Oh, because he doesn't have to be, right? <laughs> he's just he's working in corporate cartoon. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Colt, where can the fans find you? On uh, You have a merch uh, website, which is coltmerch.com, which I love the merch that you have. Uh, where can the fans find you? Yeah. Yeah. Coltmerch.com has everything, including these documentaries I made. That's another thing that I, I made these wrestling documentaries very early before, like, Drive Along or whatever it was. Uh, in 2010, the very first one was made as 2009 it was me and uh, Brian Danielson before he went to WWE and we documented we documented the life of an independent wrestler kind of way before people were doing it and it was so successful I made two other I made two other ones so there's three versions of that um with different wrestlers and then yeah I've got like a I got a children's book that I wrote uh that's available at cult merch all types of fun stuff yeah it doesn't have to be just t-shirts and pictures yeah um uh, and then everything is at Colt Cabana, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitch. And again, one more time, like I would just love for people to listen to Wrestling Anonymous and I would love for people to call in their stories. Uh, it's anonymous stories of just like anything fun that has to do with wrestling that you would like, a, you know, that maybe you don't have a platform for, but this is your platform to tell this story. And I know I have so much more. Uh, you can watch me on AEW elitewrestling.com dark and elevation and sometimes dynamite and rampage yeah sometimes i'm there too uh yeah. colt your attitude is so positively infectious and i'm so happy to call you my friend and honored that you take this time out to be on my show i wish you so much success i'll see you at work this week and i wish you just so much abundance of blessings because you're incredible. I watch you and I'm just inspired by you from all your projects. So um, I've been watching you for a long time and I'm just thank you for for just paving the way for the little people like me to have a Twitch channel or a podcast. Uh, well, I mean, Vicky, you're one of these people, too. It's like you're you're in this Jake the Snake mode of like, wow, that's Vicky Guerrero. You know, I'm such a wrestling fan, too. So, um, you know, the admiration is, is definitely mutual. And uh, I'm so excited. Uh, to get you on my podcast and to talk all about just the history and um, I would I love just, to. I, I sat down with Chavo and we're gonna put it out later. And so, um, you know, just man, learning some of the background I didn't even know of the Guerreros was so cool. So there's um, a lot, yeah. There's, yeah, it was mind blowing. So that I mean, that's <laughs> gonna come out eventually, but uh, I think it'll make a nice one too with Chavo and Vicky and. Um, and, I would uh, love to. Anything yeah. for you, my friend. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate everything. And this was so fun. And yeah, I'll see you at work. All right. Thanks, Cole. Have a great day. Bye. All right, bye. All right, everyone. There you have it. The legendary Cole Cabana. He's such a delight. He makes me laugh every day at work. And I'm so happy that he took the time out from his busy schedule to be on my show. And guys, 
Thank you for all your support. It's season three of the Excuse Me podcast. I encourage you to please spread the word to click, like, subscribe, download, play my episodes. And I just, I am just blessed of the turnout of my podcast and the support that I get from all of you. And I thank you for your continued support and check us out next week because we have a fantastic guest on the excuse me podcast. So be ready to listen for that. Take care, be kind and excuse me.